Broadcasting live from the Subaru of Gwinnett Studios in Atlanta, it's time for On the Money, presented by Embassy National Bank. Now, here's your host, Joe Moss. Hi, everybody. Welcome to this week's edition of On the Money, the number one small business show on Business Radio X. The show is presented by Embassy National Bank. Embassy National Bank is a nationally chartered financial institution whose deposits are insured by the FDIC. On this show, as you know, we discuss topics designed to help small business succeed because at Embassy National Bank, we're proud to help how we help small business. I'm Joe Moss, president at Embassy National Bank, and we welcome you uh, from the Subaru Broadcast Studio. So good show today. We have a repeat guest because we always love having him on, Dr. Bill Lampton. Dr. Bill, welcome. Great to be with you. I always like to be on the money. Most people would like to be on the money, wouldn't they? We try. I think everybody tries. And by the way, we're getting a lot of good feedback from the show too. We've got a lot of listeners and uh, people like hearing our topics. Dr. Bill Lampton taught communication at the University of Georgia after getting his doctorate from Ohio University. And then he spent 22 years in various management positions at the vice president and above level. You've been a communication consultant since 1997 for corporations, your individual speech coach, and a keynote speaker. A client list of very impressive Gillette, Duracell, Procter & Gamble, the Missouri Bar, and the Ritz-Carlton Cancun. Somebody had to be there. Benefit from his coaching seminars and speeches. You've hosted your own radio show. It shows um, so in various cities, and uh, you've been the guest on many talk shows, including this one. Welcome again, Bill, Thank to the you. studio. Thank you. Great to be with you. You know, people wonder why why bring up this uh, topic of communication with small business because spe- specifically you help with speeches, but communication is so important, and how we deliver our remarks and how we want people to hear us. It's just a critical element in being understood. It's the key to success. You can have the greatest product. You can have the greatest service. But you've got to convince people beyond yourself, your partner, and your family. And I had an old boss that used to tell me that 10% of what we do is prepare the details, which has to be done, has to be perfect. But 90% is in how we present it or how we communicate it. What people see and what people hear. That's correct. That's correct. We're going to talk about today, we're going to have a little fun discussion about acceptable ways to start a speech. But then you've got some examples on 20 worst opening lines that we'll have a little fun with and uh, things not to say in a speech. You've got kind of a list of that. And I, and with the debates most recently in perspective, I noticed some of your worst things to do i heard in some of the debates but we'll but we'll get to that but let's talk about how do you start off a speech and then we'll blend this into communication relative to conversation maybe even uh, negotiation so best ways to start a speech let's uh, recognize first of all joe that the start of a speech is tremendously important we've heard more and more frequently in recent years how short people's attention span is and how quickly they will determine whether or not 
to watch or listen to a presenter. Go back to the fact that we all have a mute button for our television. We have a remote control where we can change channels so quickly. And we do that with individuals in person as well. If you are presenting to an audience, or I am, and we don't excite, attract, interest, and even entertain the audience within the first minute and a half or so, they might be suddenly texting, or if they're not doing that, they're daydreaming, or they're thinking about some project that they need to be working on. So this this is one reason that the start of a speech is so vital. And in sharing with you and our listeners some of the worst ways to start a speech, I'm going back This is not fantasy. I have heard every one of these. I hope I haven't done very many of them, but... I'm sure we have. It's okay. (laughs) Right. uh, But you learn. All right. So let's start at the top. The best way to start a conversation or a speech or a presentation. Well, the best way to start any of those is to demonstrate that it's not about you. It's about the others. Take conversation, for example. Our regular producer for the show, Mike Salmond, said to me the other day that he couldn't be at a reception tomorrow night because he's taking a trip. Now, I asked him about the trip. I wanted details about it. The worst way to have responded would be to say, you know, Mike, I've had an interesting trip recently myself. Let me tell you about it. And this is a habit that so many people slip into, maybe unconsciously. And somebody says to you, hey, Joe, boy, did I have a great vacation? And you say instantly before hearing about this, oh, but it couldn't top mine. And we sort of play, can you top this? So whatever we're doing, whatever our interaction is with someone else, let's put ourselves in a in a secondary role and let the other person be the prime topic of attention. My father-in-law, who was no longer with us, used to tell us that um, my my children, thank goodness, is the best way to have a good conversation is to get the other person talking about themselves. And that way you will immediately warm up to them and they will feel very good about being around you. There's a favorite story I have about that, Joe. Dale Carnegie, very early in his career, had an invitation from a lady who was very prominent. And she said to him, Mr. Carnegie, I know you're just starting out in your business. I'd like for you to meet some of my prominent friends. We're having a party tomorrow night at my house. Would you please attend? Of course, he jumped at the chance. When he was on his way to the party, he determined that he was not going to say anything about himself, that he would talk to people about their profession, their family, their interests, their hobbies, their accomplishments. And that's what he did the entire evening. The next day, the lady called him and said, oh, Mr. Carnegie, people tell me that you're the greatest conversationalist that they've ever met. And therefore warmed up to him. Oh, yes. So you have on the list here the first thing to do, and I think this goes in line, would be to thank your host. That is is good. And, And sometimes we're so wrapped up in what we're going to say, we forget that. And the audience will notice if we forget it. And of course, when you thank the, the, the host, you, you must do that as you do anything. You must do it sincerely. It's not just something routine. It's not what you have to do, what you're supposed to do. But you really are grateful that your host arranged for you to be there. So that's, that's an excellent way to start. The other thing is, 
uh, praising the organization's mission and accomplishments. And this is something you should know ahead of time. It's quite well, easy. That's why I kind of let you lead into that. So yes. that means you got to study a little bit before you go in there. Yes, you do. And it's so much easier now that we have the Internet. I mean, if you were speaking to a corporate group, it's very likely that their annual report will be on the Internet. You don't have to do much digging. You don't go through a card catalog in a library, mm -hmm. as we might have had to do decades ago since 1996 when the Internet became available to the public and we started learning how to use it. All of a sudden, there's no excuse for not knowing an audience or an individual quite well before you speak to them. And that goes to an interview. It goes to a conversation that you anticipate having, especially it goes to a speech in a room full of people. It surely does. And uh, recently I made a list of, of comments that you can no longer say when you're on a corporate sales call. 20 years ago, 25 years ago, you could walk in and say, tell me about your business. If you do that now, you're out the you're door dead. pretty quickly. Yeah. And uh, the old saying, flattery gets you everywhere, I think that's kind of what we're saying, isn't it? Well, but again— Thank the host. And yes. But uh, by the way, then, I'd like to add something here on that bit of thanking the host. One of the corny ways that people sometimes thank the host, let's say, Joe, that you were introducing me to a club or an organization you belong to, and after you get through, I might say, and this is a very corny approach, and we all want to avoid it, is, well, you know, Joe and I go back a long way, but we decided before we came into the room here, he wouldn't tell you any secrets about me, and I wouldn't tell you any about him. Right, Joe? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to move away from that one. <laughs> um, Cornball all the way. Well, not only that, but you get everybody thinking about what is there? Who mm -hmm. is this guy, you know? Tell a captivating story is another recommendation you've got. Ever since we were kids, very, very small kids, once upon a time caught our attention. This is why when you go into a bookstore, you look around, probably 60 to 70 percent of the books in there are fiction because people know that they tell stories. This is why we get hooked on different television programs. We never outgrow the love of stories. And if you start with a story that grabs people's attention, stirs their imagination, gets them involved, and of course it has to be relevant. It's not something that you just throw out there. It usually leads you into your topic. It really And I, topic. I guess what I would add is I would not tell a story about yourself. I would tell a story about the topic and do it in a third person. That, that is preferable. The only time you would tell one about yourself would be if it's not one where you're bragging about yourself and your accomplishments. But if you had had something, for, let's say that you were speaking to the American Cancer Society, and if you had had cancer yourself, then this would give you an identification with the group. If you talked about, yes, I've been through that myself, and we certainly appreciate the wonderful cause that you have in helping cancer patients, I know because I've been one of them. Mm -hmm. That's an instance where it's okay to talk about yourself. I guess where I have, what I've noticed over the years is that when you're talking to a group, most uh, you and I now talk to people that are younger than we are. Very seldom are we going to talk to somebody that's older, but they hate 
hearing about the old days. Mm -hmm. For example, when I talk to a group of bankers and I talk about the world before computers, they don't want to hear that. I want to talk about right now, Mm -hmm. you know, save old man, save your stories for somebody else, but I don't want to hear about that. So that's why I say, make it a third person story. Something that's very relevant means timely. So startling statistic. That's another way to get people keyed up. Sure. I I looked it up today for a matter of fact that 43,400 people lose their lives in traffic accidents in the United States every year. That uh, that is a startling statistic. You know, I heard that number two weeks ago, mm. and I thought that's all. But then someone says, "Think about how many people travel via aircraft, and if there was an aircraft that went down every day, killing two hundred people, that would get your attention, wouldn't it?" Right. It is a huge number. Mm-hmm. Well, it was a conversation about self-drive cars that we happened to have so when i saw um, the number i'm i'm like you i i think i used to hear fifty thousand. maybe they're just more accurate with their counting now right here's a good one what's the uh, a provocative question asking a provocative question yes you, you love to tickle the audience's imagination as soon as you can so for example what's the most frightening experience you ever had that gets people thinking and immediately They probably have two or three come to mind, and then naturally you've got to tie that into your topic. Or you could say, can you imagine a world without or Mm. or something Mm -hmm. like that? I call them stimulus words, and and you're hitting on it real well there. Can you imagine? Put yourself in this situation. What if this happened to you? Have you ever worried about And all of this does trigger response and a response from the person that you're talking with. Mm-hmm. And then a quote. Now, everybody has good quotes. And I, I agree with this. You give them a good quote. To me, it infers that I, I have mentors, that I rely on other people, mm-hmm. that, I, that I'm, I'm serious about history and I like to see what people have done and not done. So a, a good attention-grabbing quote. There's one that I've used many, many times in seminars and in in speeches and with my topic being communication this is has been one of my longtime favorites daniel webster said if i were to lose all of my possessions except one i would save the power of communication for by it i would soon regain all of the rest Hmm. Hmm. i heard one last night if the world was perfect then it wouldn't be it's a Yogi Berra quote. <laughs> so it makes you think, though, right? Uh, I loved uh, Yogi's uh, quotes. I, I think Those my, were provocative. Oh, they, they were. I think my favorite is, nobody goes to that restaurant anymore. It's too crowded. <laughs> <laughs> His son said he really said a lot of those things. Uh, well, uh, Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, if you can imagine a locker room with uh, Yogi Berra. Oh, my gosh. Very lively. Yeah. And then... Uh, uh, explain how you became interested in the topic. So I guess you give a little background on mm-hmm. how you're intrigued by what you're talking about. Yes. I mean, I could easily tell how I became interested in communication. You could talk about how you became interested in the world of finance and specifically banking. Now, you don't have on here a joke. There are several reasons that I don't. I teach my clients never begin a speech with a joke. As you and I know, we've gone to many civic club meetings and 
many public presentations where it seems as the speaker almost thinks he or she is required to start with a joke. But there's several reasons I say don't do it. Number one, we've talked about the internet. In the age of the internet, Joe, how can you possibly tell a joke somebody hasn't seen already? And you don't know if you're going to offend somebody. That's a big part of it. Most jokes have a fall guy. And you may say, well, that joke doesn't, that fall guy is not in this audience. However, there may be people in that audience who are very sympathetic towards that fall guy. Another reason not to tell a joke, people might have already heard it, as I say, through the Internet, or they've heard it. Yeah, that's a, that's a good one, because mm-hmm. I've heard this one. Yeah, yeah, are from their goth buddies. And then most important of all, don't tell a joke, because what happens if it falls flat? And we've all seen that happen. The speaker starts out, he or she muffs the punchline, are their their timing is it right? Or you can tell that they're they're not comfortable telling a joke. And once you have that second of awkwardness there, it's extremely hard to regain your own composure, much less get the audience back with you. You can make a captivating story somewhat comical. Yes. And self-deprecating. Yes. Okay. And in fact, uh I don't know how much of a Rodney Dangerfield fan you are. Oh, I love Rodney Dangerfield. Rodney made a great living out of making fun of himself. And by contrast, Don Rickles was not a beloved comedian because Don Rickles was tearing down people in the audience that he didn't even know. Uh, Just that was his... His shtick. His shtick. That's right, right. Listen, you're uh, listening to On the Money, brought to you by Embassy National Bank. I'm Joe Moss, the moderator, and we're talking with Dr. Bill Lampton about communication within small business and specifically the optimum way to give a speech or maybe a presentation or prepare for a uh, negotiation or a conversation. I guess if I could summarize all of this is The one thing that I did here was forget about yourself when you're opening it up and make it about the audience or make it about the topic and and try to get their attention with something that's that uh, that they can relate to. Well said. And that's true. Whether your audience is one person, 100 people or a thousand people. And the other thing was, if you can get somebody talking about themselves, you've won their heart and their mind and their mind. Okay, now. We're going to have a little fun now because we're going to talk about worst opening lines and uh, we can talk about things not to do in a speech. How not to. How not to. And, you know, I guess this is especially timely because we all have our ear to the election. We've all watched some speeches and some debates and we hear all the talk radio and the TV and everything. And I find myself wincing and doing and turning channels more than anything. It's um, politics ad nauseum. Okay. Let's start at the top. 20 worst opening lines for your speech. What is your number one? Number one, and if I had to rank them, I believe I would put this one number one. I'm not an expert on this topic. I have truly heard speakers say that. And I'm thinking, well, then why in the world should I listen to you for, for even a minute? Well, I could, want to hear an expert. Well, you know, you could say I'm not an expert, but I did stay in a Holiday Inn Express. But 
Oh, <laughs> but but even that's a good example because someone may not have heard that joke before. Yes, and then they're going, "What? Yeah, what's so, that got to do with this?" Right, mm-hmm. right. So you've when you say I'm not an expert, you have disqualified yourself absolutely right away. Absolutely. But on the other hand, you don't want to sit there and brag about yourself. No, you know, know, for example, when I'm in a present, when mm -hmm. I'm in the receiving end of a presentation and three or four people come in from a company, they all want to tell me about themselves. And 20 minutes later, I haven't heard boo about their product. And I'm going, you know, the meeting's almost over. And all I heard was someone else trying to top another person Mm -hmm. in the room. Not an expert, but by the same token, don't overqualify yourself because the fact that you're up there means you are an expert. And that's, a, that's another thing that I tell people, and this is maybe off topic, but this is one of the things I tell people about stage fright, which is a major concern of so many people. I say, why are you so afraid? Don't you realize you're there because people consider you an authority on the topic? They consider you interesting. They wouldn't invite you if they didn't think you were worth hearing. Right. So you better think you're worth hearing yourself. A good point. And then you're, the next thing not to do is tell a good joke. We've, we've pretty well commented on that one, haven't we? We have. Mm-hmm. Except I did open a speech one time, and it went over really well because I was able to find a joke that fit perfectly the audience that was del- self-made fun of myself, too. It was in Hawaii, and over there they have funny uh, names to cities. And um, the one of them was uh, Holly lolly or something and i told the joke that i was traveling around the island and i went in and i didn't know how to actually pronounce this name and so i went in and asked i said i'm gonna go ask a native and i said how do you pronounce how do you pronounce where we are right now and he looked at me and went burger king (laughs) (laughs) and that was that went over well yes i i can imagine Related to that, and I know we want to get to these others, but uh, a banking friend of mine called me several years ago. He's one of my golf buddies, and he said, Bill, I'm going to be presiding over a conference for a day or two, and you tell all these jokes on the golf course. How about getting together and, and give me some good jokes for it? And I explained to him, that's not your purpose. That's not your purpose. And what if it fails? And people have probably already heard the jokes, and he, he got the point. And not a lot of people want to hear golf jokes anymore. So <laughs> of all, here's a third one. Of all the introductions I've had, that was the most recent one. Boy, that's really creative, isn't it? <laughs> and this is real, isn't it? This is real. I have heard that. Okay. I have heard that. You'll have to bear with me. I'm pretty nervous. Would you like your surgeon saying that to you? <laughs> no. No. In fact, when Foxworthy talks about the brain surgeon, mm-hmm. you don't want your brain surgeons come up to you and say, now, what we're going to do is, you know, they, <laughs> <laughs> so you've got to be, you got to be careful with that. It reminds me of one I heard the other day where a patient came out of surgery. He'd been having surgery and he said to the nurse, I heard the doctor say something, a four letter word that offended me. And she said, what was that? And he, he said, the doctor said, oops. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Here's another good one. When the Wall Street Journal interviewed me last week. Oh, boy. Here comes the ego. Uh, and this is real stuff, isn't it? Yes. This, this, this is real stuff. And I will say that I've, I'm, I'm not knocking my profession, but I am saying that it's, it's a hazard some professional speakers get into when you've had a few standing 
applause situations someplace. Maybe you begin to think uh, you are all that uh, terrific. And so you, you start telling things like this. When I was quoted by the Wall Street Journal or whoever, that doesn't, that doesn't impress people. It's okay to have that in your introduction. You were very kind to say some, some of um, my, my background in, the, in introducing the program, but let somebody else toot your horn. Don't, don't do it yourself. It, 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 through the introduction— Mm-hmm. or through the biography That's right. or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I, cause I think the best way to capture some, the, the best way to instill credibility is through your words, what you're saying right then and there. And, um, you don't, if someone has to tell me that they just got interviewed by the wall street journal, I'm wondering where the weakness is. Here's one. We talked about this as the program chairman said, you can buy my book afterwards. Selling right from the start. Oh, what a turnoff. <laughs> anytime in the middle of this, anytime in the speech when you say that. Mm-hmm. You and I were talking about the debates when Jeb Bush was, would be talking about how you can, in my book, and I'm going, what, are you running for president or are you out here trying to sell books? Reminds me of someone's voicemail. I called them, oh, this was eight or ten years ago. They weren't there. Their voicemail really did say this. If you're calling to purchase one of my two books, and I'm thinking, no, 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 I'm no. not. And now I certainly won't. <laughs> this one is, I don't know, this isn't so bad. My mother would have loved that flattering introduction, but my spouse wouldn't have believed it. Joe, it's not so bad unless you've heard it 50 times okay. from okay. so many speakers. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, here's a bad one. I haven't had a chance to learn about your organization's purpose. I'm thinking, well, thank you very much for not investing any time into this seminar or wherever it is that I am. I heard a speaker sometime back get up and say to a group, what is it you people do anyway? (laughs) (laughs) I I would uh, imagine that person didn't sell any books, give any autographs. And didn't get invited back. Didn't get invited back and got no clients afterwards. I suspect this was done as as a joke, but it's uh, your, your president asked me to keep my remarks brief, so I promise we'll be through in two and a half hours. The audience has every right to groan on that one. Just plain groan. It's that bad. And you've wasted how many words is that? You know, <laughs> you know, we are, we talked about this about a year ago on this show. We are in 140, we are in 140 letter world these days mm-hmm. because that's the limit to a tweet. Mm-hmm. In fact, it's characters, not just words. Yeah, characters. You know, characters. And if, and if, um, if you say something like that and they start to groan, you probably have wasted 30 seconds. Mm-hmm. Barely got here on time because appearing on the Today Show yesterday threw my travel schedule off. Well, hotty toddy, aren't you a big <laughs> shot? And guess should've what? I don't earlier. watch the Today Show. You're right, and yeah. should have left earlier. And what are you doing on the Today Show anyway? <laughs> right. All right. Please pardon how badly I'm sounding. Be all because of this darn cold I can't shake off. You're just not going to get my sympathy. Everybody gets colds. Everybody gets congestion. I've spoken sometime when, thank heaven, there was a microphone there because I had a case of laryngitis and I wondered if I could get through the situation. But I'm not your doctor from the audience. I'm not your nurse. We all have these little ailments. Get through it, buddy. 
<laughs> Sounds kind of cruel, but very real. Um, well, let's go back and try to, in in a uh, in terms of a presentation, try to relate this back and things that we don't want to say during a presentation. Going back to the top, I'm not an expert on this subject. Well, you're presenting to me. I ask you to come in here and talk to me about your product or your company. Now you're telling me you're not an expert. Strike one right there. Okay. I don't want to hear a joke. I want to hear what you've got to say about the product or the company because I don't have a whole lot of time. And if I want a joke, I'll turn into the late night comics who are pretty good at it. Okay. You'll have to bear with me. I'm pretty nervous. Well, obviously, you've not done this before, and you're not comfortable on the topic that you're speaking to me about. Excellent feedback there, Joe, because that's what they're thinking. Uh, Oh, when the Wall Street Journal interviewed me last week, I don't care. I want to hear what you know about the subject, and I want to hear about the product that you want me to buy and how it's going to help me. Exactly. If someone says, I, you know, I, I haven't had a chance to look at your numbers or your organization or anything like that, but we'll go ahead and talk anyway. I'm not sure how my product relates to what it is that you do, but we're going to talk about it anyway. That doesn't make any sense to me. Study beforehand. Do your homework. President asked me to keep my remarks brief, so I promise we'll be through in two and a half hours. Doesn't need to be said. You just wasted 30 seconds. Another point there. I advise speakers never, ever to look at a watch while they're speaking, because if you look at your watch, you're making every listener out there time conscious. And next time you give a presentation, Joe, if you wanted to try it, look at your watch and see how many people are going to look at their watch. You want people to forget time. Oh, I got a, I got yeah. a point here. When mm-hmm. you're presenting, should you be looking at the screen? Should be looking at individuals in the audience, what you sh- what should you be looking at? By the screen, do you mean PowerPoint? Yes. Oh, always the audience as much as you can. the The PowerPoint is that's just your prompter, and you you should never be looking at it more than just a second or two to see what next point you. Now, should you I want pick out people in the audience to talk to, or should I should I talk to a post like I'm? People think I'm talking to somebody in the audience. What should I do? Speak to, uh, have eye contact and really have an individual conversation. Think of an individual conversation with as many people as you can. One of the advantages of meeting a few of the people, if you're talking to an unfamiliar audience, is that you've got friends to begin with, and those people are going to give you attention right away. So if you've had an opportunity to meet several people, let those be your the target of your your vision and your attention to start with. All right. Now, if you're given the presentation, if two of you are giving the presentation, what should the individual who is not speaking at the moment do? Should they be be looking at the screen? Should they be looking at the speaker or should they be looking at the audience or looking at their notes? Don't look at your notes. Don't look at your notes. That that, uh, shows that you're not involved. Look at the audience. Look at the speaker because you want everyone there to be attentive. How are they going to be attentive if you, a part of the supporting cast, are not attentive? So look at the speaker. Smile when something pleasant is said. It's okay if you're the supporting cast. Even applaud if you want to. I guess don't look down. Don't look uninterested while someone else is doing the talking. Don't file your nails. There you go. (laughs) 
Be here's, involved, yes. All right, here, it barely got here on time. I'll change the words on this because I was at so-and-so client yesterday, and it ran late. I don't care about yes, yesterday's client. I don't care about what you're going to tell me, right? I worked for an organization one time who had a consultant who came in several times a year and would make a two- to three-hour presentation. He turned me off every time because he told us immediately where he had been yesterday. And, of course, I can't talk too long today because I got a flight to Minneapolis or Chicago or Detroit or San Francisco or Dallas. Right. Again, I don't care. Well, here's a good one. Can everybody in the back hear me okay? Test it ahead of time. <laughs> Test it ahead of time. And, and what if uh, if they can't hear you, how are they going to answer you? <laughs> that's, that's really the stupid part and, of that. And here's one I didn't understand, but you explained it. I just flew in from Chicago. Boy, are my arms tired. Yes, and they flap their arms I as though you. they okay. flew in from okay. Chicago. Um, bad, bad. You can answer my good morning louder than that. They think it's a good warm-up, yeah. but it's it's way overworked, way overworked. And audiences, in a way, could feel like it's an insult. Oh, you didn't think I was energetic? You didn't think I was an enthusiastic? Okay, I won't even answer you this time. Or I guess the worst one is to go to the microphone and go, well, is this thing on? <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the person who could get away with that was Johnny Carson, of right, course. When, when he'd on. fluffed a line, our, right. our joke didn't go over. He was and great then, at uh, that. And then I didn't get a chance to check the PowerPoint excuse. You know, why? Okay, that goes without saying. I'll tell you uh, what I will do. And, and, and it's just that important to me to make sure that everything is working right. I live in Gainesville, 50 miles from Atlanta. If, I got, if I've got a presentation I'm going to do in Atlanta next week, I would come over and have my host go through the PowerPoint with me on their computer where we're going to put the memory stick, go through it, and I ask them, is there anything here that we can improve? And once in a while they'll say, in this room with this lighting, the color scheme that you have won't work. And once in a while, even though I proofread very carefully, once in a while, they might find a typo. Is it worth an hour's drive over here, an hour with that person? And I, is it worth three hours of my time to stand up before my audience and know it's going to go without a flaw technically? Doggone right it is. Yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. So let's recap on if you're delivering a presentation, learning from things that you're not supposed to do and things you're supposed to do. I guess the very first thing in a presentation would be to thank for the opportunity to be joining you today. Yes. And then um, I would good. Then I would immediately go to talking about that company. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I would then move to my company. I wouldn't spend much time on our origins other than uh, maybe a brief paragraph on on the success that we've had and, and why we're relevant. Um, and then uh, finally, I would make sure that when I talked about my product, that I related my product to that audience to their needs to their needs Mm -hmm. uh you've got to do your homework up front and find out what that is all right um we've kind of covered the gambit here give me some funny things that you've heard that you really liked in a speech that kind of surprised you that you really didn't think that you'd like but they they said it they did it and you said you know i want to use that gosh i'm sure i have heard many 
I am like anybody else in any profession. I've learned from people who do what I do. Maybe not so much the amusing ones, but maybe what what has helped me the most is hearing speakers who are very good storytellers. They can they can weave a narrative again, as we've said, not with themselves as the hero or heroine. And and the story does get people very well involved as far as funny things, humorous things that that I caught on to i'm i'm just not sure i can recall it yeah i guess what what i relate to the most as a speaker is the ones that are the most comfortable Mm -hmm. and do a good job of relating to the audience Mm -hmm. you know you and i've talked about president ronald reagan in the past you know he was just really good at kind of being himself and making everybody feel comfortable bill clinton is good like that he just makes everybody comfortable and that's what I admire, and I, I wonder how they do it. Well, Roger Ailes, the chairman and founder of Fox News, has a wonderful book out called You Are the Message. In there, he talks about what he did before he started Fox News. And he talks about the fact that he dealt with the first President Reagan, excuse me, the first President Bush. He dealt with Ronald Reagan. He was their speech coach. He dealt with many prominent internationally known presenters. And he said, there's one thing I noticed in common about every one of them, and that is that they were the same person speaking, whether they were talking to you over a drink after hours or whether they were directing a committee or whether they were on radio or television or whether they were facing a political audience, you never thought there was anything less than authentic about them. And that's, that's a very important point. It's fine for us, we talk about learning from others, and it's great that we do, and you even go back to the first classical teachers of rhetoric, Aristotle and Quintilian and others, they said, have a role model, but never imitate them. And in fact, to go back to Roger Ailes, Roger Ailes said, be yourself. Everybody else is already taken. <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> and um, I guess the thing that I've always admired is when I feel like that the speaker or the presenter respects the audience, respects me, respects that I have my, you know, and other people have their own points of view. And that they may actually know as much or equal to what I know. I, I, I like that when I feel like the speaker kind of relates to me and has humbled himself or herself and not get up there and kind of preach and say, you know, you guys don't know anything. Here's the way it's going to be. Arrogance is a huge turnoff. Right. For him. Okay. Well, um, you know, we've gotten to the end of the program here. And uh, again, we always don't have enough time for Dr. Bill because we could go on for a while. But I wouldn't mind trying to reschedule you here soon to talk about negotiation as well, because I'm sure some of this stuff can relay itself into negotiation. I'll accept that invitation without negotiating. Well, there you go. Good. (laughs) Good. We'll have to negotiate a time like we always do. We can do that. Okay. Well, listen, this, that's our, thanks Dr. Bill for being here. And, um, thank you. That's our show for today. This has been on the money brought to you by embassy national bank. And again, the number one small business show on business radio X. 
our Twitter account, Twitter at on underscore the underscore money, and then the number one. Uh, you can always listen to our shows at businessradiox.com or download them from iTunes. We're on uh, YouTube right now under Business Radio X Gwinnett YouTube channel. And until next time, I am Joe Moss with Embassy National Bank, and I'm going to put what we just talked about in front. Stay authentic. Be yourself. Be careful out there and leave fear in the back seat. So until next time, thank you so much.